Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. You can find Marshall and I at HyperClean Specialist on Facebook. If you want to check out our products, hypercleanstore.com. But that specialist group is really getting to a really, really great place. We can't encourage you guys enough, especially if you have questions. That is the place to go. A lot of people sharing a lot of things. Got a couple of things we're going to talk about today. We want to talk about some car stuff to start off the podcast, some stuff that has come out, going on, different things being said and talked about, but also going to talk a little business and money towards the end of the podcast. Want to talk about GM having to recall Hummer because of the battery issues. I want to say this, that number one, most suppliers in the automotive business are being used by a lot of different people. That could be interior parts, exterior parts, that could be transmissions, that could be a lot of different things. Most of these manufacturers are manufacturing very little. What they're actually doing is assembling most parts from other people. It's just a much easier way to run business until a company like LG and it's called LG chem batteries is the battery that is malfunctioning. I believe it's a connection issue. That's, you know, basically rendering the Hummer, the brand new Hummer undrivable won't even turn on in some instances. There's a fear of fires and connectivity issues, but here's the wild thing. LG Chem and this battery system have been under fire, literally, by the NHTSA, which is the governing body of the car industry, basically National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration in the federal government. I believe they've been sued. I believe they've had to pay payouts. They've had the, this battery system has affected Hyundai, has affected uh, GM, has affected. Uh, the Volkswagen group, it's affected damn near everybody that's in business with LG. And, and this was one of the things that the insiders inside of, you know, really nerdy part of the car industry were really wondering why GM decided to go with this platform. This platform has a ton of bugs, a ton of issues. I mean, they've recalled a bunch of different models from different manufacturers with battery issues. I believe this is the same battery uh, foundation that they had to recall some Chevy Volts. Uh, with as well. So it's kind of an odd thing for GM to go all in on this platform because LG does not have this all figured out. And for those people that were waiting on Hummer, that had ordered Hummer, paid a premium dollar for Hummer, this is kind of the platform you bought is that, yeah, maybe LG is going to fix the connectors or whatever, but you're going to have a host of other issues because this is a bad system. And so now you got to ask yourself, what does this really mean? Well, this shows you the problem with the all-electric platforms is that GM doesn't have the bugs fixed. Out, fixed. VW doesn't. I mean, look, I, I've shared the story. We had a Porsche Taycan completely melt itself down, and I believe it's the same battery type system. So we we have this we're all going to go electric. We're all going to be in this new world, and I'm all cool with electric. But there's so many journalists and so many different people in this industry that are supposed to be watchdogs that just let these stories fly by 
and act as if we're not running towards a cliff. What if you spent $120,000 on a Hummer and you had it completely disabled because of a battery issue? There's no jumping it. There's no fixing it. When they have these types of issues, you can't take it to the dealership. Let me give everybody a story about Mach-E, which is the Ford Mustang Mach-E all electric. It's a, one, it's, a, it's a vehicle I'm a fan of. I think Ford did a good job. But let me give you an issue that they're running into right now. So you have a Ford Mach-E. You have to go in for service. The car has to be in the bay of a dealership for two days to do a software update. Two days. It takes to do the, the newest software update that gets everything up to, con, to, to snuff. You want to know why? Because they didn't put an Ethernet cord to do the update. They're using dial-up internet speeds to download things to your car because Ford and its engineers didn't think through it. That's a true story going on right now in 2022, that the connect, the way you download to if it's not over the air and it's not a, they have the ability to do over the air, you got to connect a cable. The cable they the cable they connect to the Mach-E to do the software update is the is the same thing we had with dial-up internet, basically. So your car's in the shop for two days because they didn't put an Ethernet cord anywhere for the car to be uh, updated by by wire. Now think about that. Anybody with the brain would have said, hey, you know, if we got to do a hardwire uh, update, are we going to, you know, figure this out? Nobody thought of that. So now the consumer is screwed because they got to do this update. They can't do it over the air. They got to take it to a dealership. You're down two to three days. What if they're backed up? And now think about it from the dealership perspective. You're going to have bays just backed up with, with technicians overlooking this, getting paid a huge amount of money. Because Ford didn't think through it. And so I love when people, and I really get mad at the, the auto journalists in this, because they hold nobody accountable. There's never anything written about how below belt some of this stuff is. And they're just telling you to go buy electric cars. And by the way, I wanted to buy the Mach-E, and I would still be happy if I bought the Mach-E. But I have six work trucks I can drive. I got a couple personal cars. I got eight vehicles I could jump in. What about if you're a family with two cars or just one car or two Mach-E's or two Hummers or a, a car that your husband or wife needs and then you have the Hummer and you now it's disabled and you can't get your family around because you need both the cars. These can't be fixed. You are at the mercy of the manufacturer. This is not good. And now Hummer being built on this shoddy platform is, is another issue with GM buyers. If you are sold on GM electric, I got news for you, man. That's a bad mistake. The fact that they are basically going with LG chem, which is building these batteries that are failing all over the place that seem to be an outdated technology or, or on its way to be outdated. What was GM thinking? Well, they just wanted to get to market. Oh, I, we got to get to market. Got to do electric. Got to have electric. Do you? Or can you just maybe slow down and do it right? But they're not going to do that. And now they're stuck with these LG chem battery systems. They don't seem to have any way out of this. 
And now Hummer's completely disabled for a lot of drivers. And who knows when it's going to get fixed? Good luck. Let's talk about some more upbeat things. Bronco Raptor's been announced, but I'm going to say something I'm a little bit more excited for rather than Bronco Raptor. Um, Bronco Raptor is going to be insane. When you're going to get them, how you're going to get them. Look, we know, I know I got customers that are already going to be first dibs on these things because they spent so much money with Ford. But I'm more excited for the Bronco Heritage Editions that were announced. You're going to see some traditional Bronco looks coming out that give an ode back to the, to the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I think that's really cool. If, if Ford actually goes through with it and can produce these Heritage Editions at a real level, I think that makes Bronco worth it. Are we going to see that? Who the hell knows? But the news out of Bronco for me, above the Raptor, were these Heritage Editions that are paint-schemed, and everything like traditional Broncos, which I think is great. You know, again, this is where Porsche gets a leg up on a lot of people. They do a lot of these types of things. And so if Ford has the ability to really do this, which I'm skeptical of, then I think it's great because these Heritage Editions are going to be super, super cool and right up my alley of, hey, man, this is a good thing to do for your brand. Can Ford pull it off? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't because they've had trouble producing Bronco. And now they're going to build Heritage Edition alongside Raptor and all this stuff they're trying to do. We'll see. Bronco Raptor is badass. I mean, I don't have to drive it to know. It's going to be insane power, all kinds of, of upgrades and different things they're going to do to it. It's going to be a, a, an unbelievable vehicle, hopefully. Bronco Sport is trash, so I'm just guessing they'll get Raptor right. But at the end of the day, these Heritage Editions, to me, are unbelievable if they get these right. I mean, this really opens the door for Ford to really enter into this, what we call upper middle class or upper class echelon buyer the way they have. If they can capitalize even more, Ford's going to be doing something really special with the Bronco brand. Need to get rid of Bronco Sport, which they won't, but it's trash. Staying on Ford, the Ford CEO is going to war with the dealers. I mean, this guy is hell-bent on taking dealerships out. I don't know how the hell this is going to play out. I know every lobbying group in every state is going to fight tooth and nail to bring this guy to cart to the carpet. But if he has the support of shareholders and everybody believes he's doing the right thing that, that, that cuts the checks, the shareholders, the guys with the Jack Ford's going to go to war with these dealers. And there's two ways to look at it. And I look at it both ways, actually. I don't think Ford's going to be able to cut dealers and make your life any better as a consumer. But I'll tell you another thing that really everybody needs to grab their head around. Dealers deserve to take a hit for what they've done during the pandemic. These manufacturers watched and let these people get away with absolute money murder. And it's still going on today maybe even at a worse level than the middle of the pandemic to believe it. They've just been empowered to do whatever they want to do. And the Ford CEO is speaking out to his credit. He knows the dealers are a problem. The issue is, can you distribute cars better? Can you service cars better? The answer in my mind is no. I see why he wants to do it. I see why people cheer it on, but it's really short-sighted because I don't think Ford can build cars, distribute cars, service cars, 
better than the dealership network. They can build cars, but taking on the other two is a whole different animal. I think that's what kind of hurts Tesla. If Tesla was just in the car building business, I think Tesla could be more efficient. But they also have to worry about distribution. They also have to be worried about service. And that's that's a thing that you think you want to do until you realize how hard it is to deal with the end consumer. But Ford CEO is going to war. He is not backing down. Now, he'll be forced to back down by shareholders or he'll be empowered by the shareholders to keep going to war. He is not going to be making this decision in a vacuum. If the biggest shareholder of Ford steps in and says, we're done with this, he's going to be done with it. So obviously somebody behind the scenes is okay with it right now. As the pressure starts to turn up, attorneys start to turn up and states start to turn up and federal government starts to turn up asking why he's doing this, we'll see if Ford sticks with it. I want to move on to something else. And this is a subject I I really hate to talk about. This is a subject that can be taken in a lot of different ways, and it can be a really negative thing to talk about. But Marty and I made a decision long ago that we're always going to talk about things that can seemingly keep coming across our desk. No matter how uncomfortable they are, we're going to find a way to talk about them on this podcast. There's a lot of people right now that are struggling in this business. We've really been hearing it for about five really good months. I started to really hear things January, February. Different pockets of the United States, especially, getting hit. Guys getting slow. We've had a distributor that we know tell us he's had five shops closed down already this year around him. It's a small area. I've heard a lot of stories that aren't good. I think largely the business is healthy. And if you're slow, you need to take a real look at what you're doing and adjust. And, and, and that's what happens during these times. But there's no doubt we're in a recession or headed to a recession in certain parts. Everybody's going to get hit a little differently by it. That's just the way this thing works. Not every state or city's hit the same. But I want to start with a thought that so many people talked about over the last three to five years, which I believe is showing itself in the majority of these conversations I'm having. So where this is coming from is in the last five months, I've talked through email, DM, or phone call, text with so many of you that are business owners. And what I found is there's a couple of things that permeate both all, all of these conversations. Number one is this idea of what I'm supposed to make hourly. The guys that are struggling seem to have this idea that I have to make $100 an hour. I went to this training. They told me $100 an hour. I saw this guy on the internet, $100 an hour. There's no context to this stuff, and that's what pisses me off, and that's what makes me mad when when I see that guys are getting hurt by bad information. But let me put into context what $100 an hour means. If you make $100 an hour as a detailer, you do realize that's a $200,000 a year salary. You basically take your hourly as a business and double it, and that's what you would get paid as a salary. So if you pay one of your employees 20 bucks an hour, he's roughly a $40,000 a year employee. So for all of you getting your start, you're 22, 25, 27, whatever, 
and you're being told charge your customers hundred bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour. You do realize that means that you're telling your customer you're a $200,000 a year employee. How many of you would walk into my business and say, Hey man, want to put on coding and, and paint correction. Uh, my starting salary is a hundred bucks an hour. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to start at. I just don't think a lot of you would say that, but in your business, you're telling yourself or being told that you should charge a hundred bucks an hour. You haven't put your time in. You don't have a built out customer list. You don't have that value in the marketplace. See the marketplace dictates what we all charge. doesn't matter what you believe. That's a fact. If you're sitting on the sidelines now and your business is being pummeled and you're not making very much money, the, the area around you saying there's no value at what you're trying to sell me. See, I don't, I don't have to give opinions about this. My shop is booked. We're now booking projects into next year. Take that in. If you're somebody that's thinking, hey, I'm having a problem. Yeah, you are having a problem. Stop and think through the problem. But are you charging 100 bucks an hour because that's your value? Or you're charging 100 bucks an hour because somebody at a coding training told you that's what you're supposed to charge? Very big difference. Very big difference between what somebody in a vacuum in a training tells you you should do in the real world. And let's take out the pandemic. I've been hearing this lately. Oh, pandemic, you know, everybody got lucky during there. Yeah, we told you that for two years. It's really cool to see everybody jumping on it now. I mean, we told you the entire time this isn't going to last. Take it in. Save your money. Kill it. Save your money. Now everybody wants to act like an expert after the fact. Wow, that's, that's gold information. We told you during the time. But let me actually give you the facts. We should have been in a recession by 2017, 2018. Historically, about every seven years, the United States goes through a recession. So actually, we were five years of luck from 2017 to 2022. A lot of luck. It wasn't just the pandemic. And so a lot of people's egos and what they should charge got inflated because we were living in basically borrowed time, fake money times is what we were doing. So understand that that's not a negative. It's just like, hey, man, we're cashing in, keep cashing in. But slow times are coming around the corner. And then during slow times, we're going to see whose information's for real. The hyper clean information, I can show you our coding orders going through the roof. We're selling more coding than ever. Why? Because our plan works during good times and during slow times. It's magical how that happens, that if you build the right business, you don't have to worry about slow times and good times. You just keep chugging along at all times. But information's key. Been saying that for two years on this podcast. And I know a lot of you get tired of hearing it, but a lot of you have taken in information from people that have never really made it. From people that are watching TV and on Facebook in the middle of the day saying, Hey, I'm watching this TV show. Take advice from those people. That's your decision. But the hundred buck an hour thing has really hurt a lot of businesses because there are a lot of guys that aren't worth a hundred dollars an hour. And it's not a bad thing at all. You're just getting your career started. 
I wasn't making a hundred bucks an hour, five minutes into my career, nor should I have been. I didn't have the skill set for it. I didn't have the customer base for it. I didn't have the comfort with what I'm doing. I didn't have the services that I could offer. But just arbitrarily saying you're supposed to make some type of number, and we're not talking about skill set, client base, area, money, that's just not real. And so a lot of you are going to go down with the ship. My, Marty and I have been following a lot of businesses of guys that we like, and we've had more and more of them going out of business. And I hate to see that. But they started their business and ran their business on a flawed premise. And that's what kills businesses. Flawed information kills more businesses than anything else. Take it seriously or don't. But that's one big thing I continue to hear is people arbitrarily saying they want to make a certain amount every hour they work without putting together $200,000 a year in salary, which is what $100 an hour means, would put you in the 1% of earners in the entire freaking world. How many of you have that skill set? I'm talking about you'd be with doctors, lawyers, engineers, successful business owners, and you're sitting at your house at noon on a Tuesday telling me that you're worth 100 bucks an hour. The world tells you what you're worth, man. There are times I've made less than 100. There's times I've made more than 100. All based on my moment in time and who I was doing business with and what my skill set was arbitrarily telling me what you want to make per hour is not real life. That's not building a business. And many people are finding that out, unfortunately, that that's bad information. The second thing that comes across in these conversations is that people don't understand money in their business. The first five years of my business, I had no idea about money. I didn't understand it when it came to business. And it wasn't because I wasn't smart enough. It's not because you're not smart enough. It's not because somebody's not aware. But money and what it needs to do inside your business is a learned skill. And you either learn high-level skill or you fail at it is usually the way it goes. So when you talk about money, and again, I'm not an expert on everything there is to do about money. And I hate having this conversation because I know somebody's going to hear it and think I'm trying to be a know-it-all about this. I'm not. I'm trying to share the problems that I continue to hear on text DMs of guys struggling. I'm just trying to pass along the best I can. Money equals freedom. Money is not to buy things. Money buys you freedom. And when you look at it that way, you start to spend it differently. You start to look at it differently. You start to see how to leverage it. You start to understand the bigger picture much easier. And let me give you a simple example. If you bring in $10,000 a month and you have $5,000 in obligations and expenses every month, you have $5,000 a month in freedom. That's a pretty good, healthy amount of freedom for bringing 10 grand in. Should be proud of that. 
But if I bring in $10,000 and I have $9,800 going out every month in obligations and bills and whatever, I have $200 in freedom and I don't have any freedom at all because I got to get up every day the next month and make sure that I make at least $9,800 just for my life not to get screwed up. Where the guy who only has $5,000 in obligations has $5,000 in freedom, in wiggle room. And if things don't go well or it slows down, he's got a little bit saved over here. Plus, he's only got to make five grand to cover his nut. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing when you look at the word freedom instead of how much money I can spend, you think of how much money buys me how much freedom. And let's talk about saving that five grand a month. Because here's what the Dave Ramseyites say. Yeah, it's a rainy day fund. No, it's not a rainy day fund. It's, it's an opportunity fund. I never save a dollar thinking I'm saving the dollar for the sake of saving a dollar. I save a dollar thinking I'm waiting for an opportunity that I can go spend all of this money and buy an asset for my business. I didn't say a polisher. Buy a building. Buy real estate. Buy another competitor can only do that with cash. You're going to have to have some form of cash on you. Whether you get a loan or not, you're still going to need a down payment. How you spend money is dictating whether a lot of guys succeed or fail. Why would you want to fail because you can't get your spending under control? Why? When you look at it that way, in the first five years of my business, man, I was not good. I was not in a good space. I was not understanding the big picture. I had a bad bookkeeper. She gave me all kinds of horrible information. And I had to dig myself out of a lot of problems because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I look at where I'm at now, hyperclean, VR, every decision I make is about freedom. So I'm going to give you two shop examples to finish today's episode about what money really can do. When I took on my shop last year, I wanted to have the most freedom I could have. So I wanted to make it so I didn't need to do very much for the shop to be profitable. I didn't need to do a whole bunch. Now, mind you, I'm in Vegas. Real estate prices here are insane. It isn't like I got a $500 shop. It cost me thousands of dollars every month to run my shop. So I, before this episode, I pulled up my financials and talked to my accountant. And I said, when could I have shut the shop down and been profitable? February 18th of 2022, I could have shut my shop for the rest of the year, paid every bill that I owed at the shop, and I would have been profitable for the year on my shop. Yet I can go down the street and I know guys with bigger shops, all kinds of expense, and they're probably not going to make it out of the recession. They should make it, but they don't know how to spend money. Pretty freeing feeling to know I could have shut the shop 45 days into the year and been profitable, taken money home, and paid all my bills for the shop itself. That's why I made the decision. So after February 18th, the shop has been nothing but pure profit, basically, for my business. Now, I don't have the biggest, flashiest shop. I have a really nice shop that I'm proud of, but it's not in the you know, perfect area, right? It's not like I spent 80 grand on my shop that I don't own. I got Swiss tracks flooring and I got good lighting and I'm staring at my PPF plotter next to me and I go, 
I got, I got a nice lift scissor lift to put cars up on. I got a pretty damn good shop, but I had to put my ego aside and do what was right financially for my business and freedom in my business. Let me give you another story. Talked to a guy about three or four months ago, does over a million dollars a year in revenue at his shop. Told me that he profits well over $250,000 a year on his shop. That's a lot of money. And I'm really excited for him. But he lives in a place that has winter. And he goes, hey, man, you know, I got winter time and this and that. And, you know, it gets tough during the winter because it gets hard to pay bills. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean it gets hard to pay bills? What's winter got to do with anything? You make a ton of money. The red flag went off in my head. Every dollar he gets, he spends. So the wintertime's tough for him because he spends everything. That guy's in trouble today. Just heard from him. Love the guy. Don't want to see him leave the business. But I think he might be on his way out. And it's not because he doesn't have the work. It's not because of anything other than he doesn't look at money like freedom. He looks at money like he has to buy everything. Folks, I have a nice home. My family drives nice vehicles. That didn't happen in 2010. That didn't happen in 2015. Five years into my business. We never went without, but we didn't live in the nicest house that we could. We didn't, we had to sacrifice because ultimately what money buys you is freedom. And with every obligation you take on, rent, house payment, car payments, boat payment, vacations, that's an obligation to spend your money. And the more obligations you have, the less freedom you have. Now, you have a billion dollars in the bank, you can have a lot of obligations and it doesn't matter, right? VR has a lot of obligations, but our revenue is to a point where those obligations don't mean anything to my business. They're just normal everyday expenses and we don't think too much about them. I've said this before, when gas prices went through the roof, I heard from a lot of people bitching about gas prices. I got six vehicles on the road, another two personal vehicles. You think gas didn't affect me? Sure it did, but it wasn't a thought for my business. Oh, well, costs went up, no big deal. How do I get that freedom? You only ever get that freedom if your money's under control. Take it from me, because I've had times in my business where it wasn't under control. And so here's the part that everybody leaves out of what really hurts people during the slow time. It's not your marketing. It's not your sales. It's if your money is under control. And if you made bad decisions while times were good, you're going to pay for them dearly when times are bad. If you bought your shop at the height or you, per, or you leased it at the height at a big number and now the work is cut in half, you may not be able to double your work again. So now all of the things you did during the good times are causing you to suffer during the slow time. Of course, marketing sales matters but it doesn't matter as much as controlling your expenses. And I watched a lot of people buy a lot of shops of guys I knew and respected that I knew right now it was going to haunt them. And damn near every one of them I've talked to and it's haunting them. 
because they don't look at money as freedom. They look at it as buying shit. Change your mindset about buying freedom with money and that money equals freedom. And how do I keep my freedom by understanding the money I bring in and understanding where I need to save so I can go purchase when times are bad for everyone else? I can go spend. I can go buy things at a discount. I can maybe buy out a competitor. Double my business overnight by buying a competitor. Happens every day in business. But if you don't have any money, you can't do that. $600 polisher for 100 bucks, hardly used. But if you don't have the 100 bucks, you can't buy it. I'll be buying a lot of polishers, trust me. I'll be buying a lot of pressure washers, trust me. As the vehicle market gets hit, we'll probably replace some of my trucks but I'll do it at the bottom of the market and I'll do it from a place of freedom. Hear a lot of advice around this industry and very little people explain money. Money's freedom. When times get slow, you're going to find out what decisions you made really quickly and if they were good or they were bad. And we've all made bad ones, me included, man, made a lot of bad decisions. But the only thing that changed in my world from money perspective to really help my business is when I looked at money as a freedom. I don't look at it as buying everything. I'm not going to buy the latest Jordans all the time. I'll buy some Jordans when it, when it makes sense. And sometimes in my life, it makes sense. And sometimes, hey, I got to tighten the belt a little bit. But if you never tighten the belt and you just keep buying, you're going to fail somewhere. And guys, I don't take any, I don't like this conversation. I don't want to have to talk about it. But I promised you as our audience that when I keep hearing the same things over and over again. I would try to step in and give you my two cents on it. And that's my two cents. I keep hearing these things. And it scares me that we're going to lose a lot of good people in this business because they've taken a lot of bad advice from a lot of people in this industry that don't know what they're talking about. And I don't want to see that happen to the guys that follow us. Get your house in order. This thing's going to get a lot worse, I think. But trust me, guys, all of you can make it and, and have thriving businesses if you choose to look at money the right way. That's my two cents. Hope everybody has a great weekend. I hope this episode helps. Like I said, don't take any joy out of having this conversation, but I've had so many questions about things slowing down. I thought I'd weigh in with two things we continue to hear. Everybody have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.